Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. And I'm going to um, do something different. My normal course would be read the scripture and then to pray. Uh, I'm going to say, first of all, today we're going to be talking about the Father. Say God. We're going to talk about God the Father this morning, but before we do that, I want you to pray with me. God, thank you so much for being our Father. Thank you for loving us and having mercy on us. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for your spirit that lives inside us, Father. I pray that today you would use me to speak to your children, God. Give me the words to say that would be sound doctrine, Father. Teach us what you would have us to know. Let this be a moment of change for us is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All across the country, people are uh, celebrating Father's Day. Uh, but fathers are out of vogue in America. Fathers are out of style in America, and if you know me, you know I love to do research. One of the things that will let you know, and this isn't the, the, the t- total litmus test, but if you think you have a spiritual gift to teach, one of the characteristics of someone who has a spiritual gift to teach is an obsessive compulsion with learning, an obsessive compulsion with facts, statistics, graphs, charts, information. And y'all know I study the, gra- the, the statistics, the charts, the graphs. I, I love all this stuff. And I can tell you, fatherhood not only is on the decline, but we've been lied to about why it's on the decline. We've been told easy answers of why it's on the decline. We've been told answers that that make us feel sorry for each other as to why it's on the decline, when the reality is the reason fatherhood is on the decline in America is because people following God in America is on the decline. Uh, the, 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 the white race has convinced itself that fathers were taken out of the homes uh, in, in World War II and in Vietnam, and it created difficulty with children inside that race when, when the reality is uh, there, were, there were more fathers in the homes in the 60s in the white community than there are now. Fatherhood is on decline in the white race across America because men don't want to step up and be men. Y'all mad already? See, I ain't even got started good yet. Uh, but but I, I, I was told this in college. I, I, I see this false narrative being reported that the, the white family structure was, was decimated by World War II and, and by the Vietnam War, and, and white, white people began to deal with father. That's, that's not true at all. There, there were, in, in the 60s, fatherhood was at an all-time high in the 60s for uh, the, the white race and the black race. The, the black race has been told, now y'all can really get mad, if you ain't mad already, the, the black race was told that slavery took the man out of the home. And in large part, there's truth to that. But the reality is, um, if you listen to what many black sociologists say, uh, welfare did to the black family in 50 years what slavery couldn't do to it in 400 years. The, the, black, the black community has been strong and vibrant uh, its entire history on this earth and through slavery, through segregation, through Jim Crow, in 1960, now this is going to mess with some people's mindset, check the stats. In 1960, the black community had a higher rate of children being raised in a two-parent home than the white community did. Talk to somebody who was an adult in the black community in the 60s, and they'll let you know. Um, the, the black families were on the come up in the 60s. They were on the increase in the 60s until the Civil Rights Act of 1964. White families had about an 82% children being born into two-parent homes. Black families had an 85% of children being born into two-family homes in 1960. And in one generation, both those numbers have been flipped on their heads. 
and flipped on their heads. So it wasn't World War II, and it wasn't slavery. What it was was people counting on the government. It was, it was, it was drugs. It was alcohol. It was immorality. But you point to whatever you want to point to. You can stay with your favorite number if you want to. But my bottom line is the devil wants fathers out of homes. The devil knows when daddy's home, the family is better. The, the devil knows when, when, when the father is in the house that things are better. Every year, I run some of these statistics by you, and I'm not going to fail to do it this year. I want you to hear the damaging effect of a father not being in the home. And I say this not, not to bring pain to people like me. I was raised by a single mother. I was raised in a father's home. I never knew my father much at all. I could have walked past him on the street and not stopped to say hello. I mean, that, that's just how it was. Um, that, that's sad. That's created a lot of these problems. I'm, I'm in a lot of these statistics. I don't say these statistics to make people raised in single uh, parent homes feel bad. Uh, I say these statistics to try to urge fathers, stay in your home. Listen, listen to the risk you put your children at when you don't. 63% of all t uh, suicides come from fatherless homes. 90% of all uh, children who run away come from fatherless homes. Over 90% of homeless children come from fatherless homes. 85% of children that have behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 69% of children who become sexually abused live in fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all teenagers incarcerated uh, come from fatherless homes. Listen to how this plays out in society. Children from fatherless homes are five times more likely to commit suicide. Listen, single mothers, you got a bigger, uh, uh, I know you know you have a big job, but you got a huge job that you, listen, hear me well, cannot do on your own without God's help. If you can't have a father in the home, you better have the father in the home. Y'all not hearing me. If you can't have a father, if you don't have your children's father in the home, you better have the father of the Lord Jesus Christ and our heavenly father in the home. Listen, why? Uh, Children from fatherless homes are seven times more likely to become teenage mothers. They're 24 times more likely to run away. They're 15 times more likely to have behavioral disorders. They're three times more likely to be sexually abused. They're six times more likely to end up in prison. They're seven times more likely to end up out of to drop out of school. They're 15 times more likely to end up in prison while a teenager. And this is the wildest stat that I've ever seen on fatherlessness. And I checked it on multiple resources. Children in fatherless homes are 73 times more likely to be murdered in this country than children from two-parent homes. You better be praying for these children when they leave the house. You better be praying for them while they're in the house. And you better make sure that they know a father. Everybody's not going to know. I, I grew up not knowing my father, but I thank God I know my heavenly father. Amen. I, I, I'll give you the, 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 the top ten. Or three, six, nine. I gave you the top nine uh, list of who's who. Of fatherless homes. Some of these names will stand out to you uh, if you got some age on you. Some of them might not, but this this, this is some this is the uh, who's who of fatherless homes. Saddam Hussein, Sirhan Sirhan, Adolf Hitler, Jack the Ripper, Lee Harvey Oswald, John Wilkes Booth, Jeffrey Dahmer, and Charles Manson all grew up in a fatherless home. So I've had people tell me um, that doesn't give them much hope. You must not have heard what I said. I myself am a product of a fatherless home, but because God the Father is in my home, I'm all right. God designed us to have a mother and a father. That's, that, that's something that the homosexual community uh, will, will never be able to argue against. Reproduction comes from a man and a woman. God designed us to come from a father and a mother. I'll just throw out the most old school cliche in the world. When God put human beings in the garden, he created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Yeah. 
You, are, you, you came from a mother and you came from a father. But many people suffered the same thing that I did as a child. I was raised never knowing my father. My parents were divorced when I was young. My mom had a couple different husbands along the way. And I was in that no dad, stepdad, no dad life growing up. And I found myself on the wrong side of many of these statistics. Many of these, many of these things, uh, you, you've heard my testimony before. I, I, I ran away from home. I got, I got, I got uh, tied up with drugs and alcohol. I had behavior disorders. I was in and out of jail. It's only by God's grace that I graduated high school. Man, I'm looking at these GPAs my kids have. I, I, I don't think I've ever told a human being in life what my high school GPA was. That's wisdom. I, I was taught young. Uh, some things better left unsaid. It was got by God's grace that I even got out of high school and was able to get into the military. Uh, but, but, but how many of y'all know, uh, in spite of it all and beyond it all, we serve a God who's a saving God, a life-changing God, a healing God, a delivering God, a God who's more than able. But not only have, have families kicked men out of the home and have men removed themselves from homes, uh, as a nation, we've kicked God out. People want to know what's wrong. People, people want to say, well, what it was, it was this many years of them, them politicians in, in office and, or it's this many years of those politicians in office. I'm going to tell you something. The, the, the fatherless epidemic is, is directly correlated to the godless epidemic. When, when you don't honor God as a nation, you can't really look for things to go great. That's why we, as the called-out church, we as the blood-bought Christians, we need to be moving forward on our knees, praying for revival in this nation. We need to be moving forward on our knees, praying for fathers to stay in home, for men to ra- rise up and be Christian men, for women to rise up and be Christian women, so, so that we can see some of this curse get reversed. I, I've experienced difficulties in my life from not having an earthly father, but I've experienced great joy from having a heavenly father. And like I said, if you don't have a natural daddy in your home, you better have a spiritual father in your home because we need the influence that comes from a father. Let's look at the word this morning. I want to give you uh, some some facts to consider about how great our God is. I want to give you some, some truth this morning to think about on how amazing God is. I want to give you five facts about a faithful father. Can anybody agree with me this morning that our heavenly father is faithful? Our heavenly father is faithful and we need to know who God is. We need to understand him because here's the thing. The more you know about God, the easier it is to love him. See, that, that's not all. You can't say that about everybody. See, so, some of y'all believe in love at first sight, but you found out that second date went bad. So some of y'all believe in falling head over heels right off the bat, but you found out the more you learned about it, the more you wish you'd have waited to say, I do. I want to tell you, you're never going to find out anything bad or negative about God because the more you learn about him, the more you realize how awesome he is. Let's, let's, let's think about how great God is. Let's think about these facts. Number one, he cares about his children. The, now, see, we are designed by, by God to, to, uh, to live the life that he called us to live. The Bible says he created us in his image, and we are to represent him properly in the earth. Man, if you want to, to be a, a Christian Father, if you want to be a, a, a man who lives the way God lives, and you should if you call him your Savior, I, I want you to know you should be the type of man who cares about your children. In 1 Peter 5, 6, the Bible says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Men need to learn that second word in this verse. We need to learn how to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We have been raised from the day we could remember anything to throughout our whole life to be rough, tough, and proud. 
We were raised in a country that was birthed in rebellion from, from Britain. We were raised in a country that celebrates independence, and there's some good things about that, but I want to tell you something. An independent spirit is a rebellious spirit. A rebellious spirit is a spirit that doesn't know how to humble itself. We've been told to be a man, be a real man, uh, fight through every challenge, take Grab the bull by the horns. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We weren't raised to be, to be humble and dependent on God. But if you want to be a real man, if you want to be the man that God has called you to be, you have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he can exalt you in proper time. Verse 7 says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Some versions say cast all your cares on him. Some versions say cast all your worries on him. I want you to catch the last five words or the last four words in this sentence. He cares for you. Do you believe that? If we, now this, this ain't just good for fathers, this is good for mothers, this is good for children. This is talking to all Christians. This verse is not applying just to men. This verse is applying to all Christians. God cares for you. If you could get that, if you could really start your day off believing that and understanding that and walking in that, it'd change your life. If you could go through the course of your day knowing, my God loves me, it would change the way you live. I have tried to teach my children through, through example. I have tried to show them how much I love them. And one of the reasons why is because I hope when that, they come to that fork in the road of decision that they will remember that their daddy loves them too much for them to act crazy. Their daddy loves them. They, they, they ought to be in the back of their mind. Oh, I can't do this. My daddy loves. Now, not because my daddy will beat the brakes off me, which he will. Not because my daddy will throw me out and I'll be homeless because you would be. Not because my daddy would, would, would be angry with me because trust, that's there too. But because they love their father and they don't want to disappoint their father. That ought to be in the heart of every real Christian, man, woman, or child. He loves me too much for me to go out here and to do this. We serve a God, if you don't hear anything else this morning, understand that our faithful Father cares about His children. Many of you were raised in homes like me without a dad. Some of you were raised in homes with a bad dad who didn't care about you. Uh, but I, I want you to know, the, the, the father that we talk about when we talk about the God of the Bible is a God who cares about his children. Romans 5, 8 says he proved that love, he showed that love to us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. If, if you need a proof text for if anybody loves you, God loves you so much he sent his son to the cross for you. God loves you so much that he shed his blood for you. Don't sit back at the house and let the devil convince you that God doesn't love you. Don't sit back and, and think in your pity party, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. God has already proved his love to us. And if you want to be a real man, listen to me, men, churches need more good men in the church. Churches need more Christian men. The world needs more godly men, and godly men care about their children. God has given us that example, not only does a faithful father care about his children? Secondly, he concentrates on his family. That word should say on. He concentrates on his family. I don't know, man, what is in your mind. I don't know what all you have on your schedule, what all you have on your agenda to do. But I tell you this, a real man's a busy man. A real man's a working man. A real man is a get-it-done man. A real man has obligations and duties to accomplish, but in the midst of it all, he's concentrating on his family. Because our God, our faithful Father in heaven, concentrates on his family. Listen to what the Word says in Jeremiah 29, 11. God said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. A real father, the father that we have in heaven, has a good plan for his children. You need to understand, if you're saved, if you call yourself a Christian, you got a heavenly father that's looking out for you. you got a heavenly father that cares about you. And you got a heavenly father who concentrates on you and has a plan for your life. I don't know how lost people make it. 
I don't know how lost people look at the news, go through life, deal with death and tragedy. I don't know how they navigate from day to day without a real awareness that there's a God in heaven who's got a plan for my life. And we need to understand as God's children, the plan that he has for us is a good plan. Say good plan. It's not a plan for disaster. It's a plan to give you a future and a hope. I believe the reason why kids go out there and do the wildest things imaginable is because they don't feel hope. They don't see a future. They don't have somebody modeling for them something that they can believe in. They, they don't believe that there's something better out there. And that's why I believe that God put churches in communities. That's the pattern in the Bible. That's the pattern that's still being followed on the earth. Today, God puts local churches in communities, and churches need to be given children in those communities hope that they can have a future. Because once you give up hope, all is lost. But if you understand our faithful God loves us, He cares about us, he concentrates on us, then you can understand that all is not lost because there is still hope and there is still a future. But I need you to know that God has good thoughts about you. Some dads honestly don't have time for their children. I, I grew up in that world. I grew up in a world where my father was out there conquering business. I grew up in that world where my father put everything else before his family. But men, let me urge you today, that job, that money, that promotion, that advancement, all mean nothing without your children without it listen i believe that you can have all the success in the world but if you're not successful in the eyes of your children you have failed you we measure success wrong in this country people measure success wrong by bank accounts and how you drive and and how, how you dress and how you live success is best seen in the family do your children respect you are you somebody that they can honor, that they can love? Do you concentrate on your family? It's been said before, I'll tell you again, nobody ever got to the last day of their life and thought, I wish I'd have sold one more widget. <laughs> nobody ever got to the last day of their life and said, I wish I'd have picked up one more shift of overtime in my 30s. Or my 40s, 50s, or 60s, or 70s. Nobody ever got to the end of life and thought, man, I just wish I'd have made five more dollars in my lifetime. That's not what people think about when they get to the end. But here's what too many think about. I wish I'd have been a better parent. I wish I'd have spent more time with my children. I wish I'd have loved them better. Don't wait till it's too late to start being who God has created you to be. Be like God our God concentrates on his family. In Psalm 40, verse 5, the Bible says, Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I'd never come to an end of them. Every Christian ought to be able to say amen to this, but every Christian hasn't even tried to talk about how good God is. You need to have the goodness of God on your mouth. You need to have the good things God has done on your mouth so you won't be caught up in that, I think I deserve more. Listen, I'm tired of a generation that thinks they deserve more. I'm tired of a generation that wants a handout and not a hand up. I'm tired of a generation that wants stuff given to them without working for it. I'm tired of a generation that's just sitting back pitying themselves, thinking about all the things that they don't have. When we stop doing what the hymn writer said, do count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. If we would be the group of people that's always talking about how God's been better to us than we deserve, we wouldn't have all this pity in the earth today. We wouldn't have all this victim mentality in the earth today. We wouldn't have all these people thinking that life is bad today. We live in in the most prosperous time in the history of the world. We live in the easiest country it is to live in on the planet, and everybody's mad at somebody. Has God been good to you? Lead with that. Has God been gracious to you? Has he ever done anything for you? Think on these things. Psalm 139, 17, the psalmist said, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. Our God is faithful. Yes. 
Our God is amazing. Our Heavenly Father is awesome. Listen, God could have chosen to reveal Himself to us in any way He wanted to. And He did give us a multifarious look at who He is. He, he showed Himself as a boss dealing with employees in Scripture. We have those examples. He showed Himself as a king dealing with servants. He showed that to us in Scripture. He showed Himself to us as a master dealing with servants. But the primary way God chose to reveal Himself to his people as as a father loving his children and I want you to know put verse 17 back on the screen for me elder in verse 17 the psalmist said that God's thoughts toward him are precious so so many good thoughts listen God has so many good thoughts about you you can't even count them all that ought to blow your wig back that, that ought to be enough for you right there to live on for the rest of your life. The fact that God thinks good things about you, listen, you don't even think good things about you half the time. The people that know you well scratching their head about you on a regular. But God who knows everything about you has good thoughts about you. Why? Because you're his child and he loves you. Y'all know I got to go to my refrigerator story. I got to go to my refrigerator. These parents, listen, uh, it's usually mamas and not daddies, but I want you to understand how a parent loves a child. Parents love kids so much, they'll take a, a badly drawn picture, a badly colored picture, ripped out of a coloring book, jagged, not even straight ripped, jagged, ripped out colored page, put it on the refrigerator, and, and be all goo-goo over it because they think, that my baby did that. And, and if it says, I love mommy or I love daddy on it, oh, it's art now. It went from bad drawing to art like that based on love. I want you to get back in your mind to when you were a child, and I want you to realize no matter how grown you are, whether you're 95 or 5, whether you're 5 minutes old or 105 years old, we are all little children to God. The eternal God outages us. The eternal God is bigger than us. The eternal God is smarter than us. The eternal God is greater than us, and we're all little children in his eyes. And I want to tell you something. He's got good thoughts about you. He puts your, 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 the picture of your life on his refrigerator, and he says, I love my little son over there. I love my daughter. All you got to do is say, I love you, Daddy, and the heart of a real parent just melts all the way down together. That's why the psalmist was blown back. He said, I can't even, I, I can't even count how, how many good things you are thinking about me. We live in a world that wants to be told how awesome they are and how great they are. Listen, don't get that validation from the world. Don't get that validation from sex, drugs, alcohol. Don't get that validation from the street. Get that validation from your father. God loves you. He cares about you. He's got a plan for your life. That ought to be enough good preaching right there to make a Presbyterian shout. Third thing about faithful father, he knows what his priorities are. Say priorities. Man, you got to know what your priorities are. God knows what his priorities are, we, but you got to know some things. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. That's good, but you got to know what to do with those things. Wisdom is knowing how to use those facts. And dads, we need to be wise men who have our priorities in order. There's a lot that you got to do to be a Christian man. There's a lot that you got to do to be a godly father. But it's all written in the book. We've got, we have these stories for our what? Examples. God gave us these stories for our examples, he said. We see what good fathers look like in the Bible through our Heavenly Father. We see what bad fathers look like through scandalous people. But we need to put our priorities in order. And if we would just follow the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 22, 36 and following, we would be okay. Listen to what Jesus said when, when he was asked this question. Master, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then listen to what the last sentence he said here. I want you to get this. He said, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Somebody came to Jesus, and they said, What's, what's the major teaching here, dude? Because you talk a lot. <laughs> 
What, what's, what's the big point? Because there's lots of rules and regulations. All these commandments, all this stuff, sum it up for me if you could. And Jesus said, you want to know what the big thing is? Love God with everything you got. That teaching is not old and outgrown. That teaching is relevant and right now. You want to know what the big deal to do is, man, woman, child? You need to love God with everything that's in you. But Jesus went further. He said, I'll give you two for the price of one because they're both equally important. He said, not only that, but love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you got to love God and you got to love people. And he wrapped it in that last sentence on these two commandments, hang all the law and all the prophets. All the law was everything that ever been written about God. All the prophets was everything that ever been said about God. Here's what Jesus is saying to us. If you want to know everything that's ever been written, everything that's ever been said about God, you want to summarize it, love God and love people. And I want to tell you something, love is measurable. Only God's love is immeasurable because you measure it and measure it and not give up on measuring it. But love has proof. Love, love, love has documentation. Love has visibility. Love is something that you can see, something that you can feel. If your kids don't know that you love them, you better get to the point where they do know it. If your family doesn't know that you love them, you better get to the point where they do understand it. Dad, if you're a father in this room, I want you to get your priorities in order. It's easy. And this is good for dads, for moms, for children, for people who never going to be a father or a mother. Uh, all of us have been children. This is good teaching for everybody. Your priority needs to be God first, then others, then you. Some of y'all seen that old, old school uh, acronym, joy, Jesus, others, yourself. We don't live in that kind of world. We don't live in a world that puts God first. We don't live in a world that puts God anywhere. We, we had a major political, uh, one of the two major uh, pol political conventions voted to kick God off their platform. But, and people were shocked, and they're like, how could they kick God out of their platform? And, 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 and Republicans tried to get all aghast that the Democratic National Convention voted to kick God out of their platform. And I'm thinking, nobody shouldn't be shocked about that. Ain't no politician had God on their platform either side in decades. People stand up there and want to give all props to God, uh, get, trying to get votes. Trying to get votes. Listen, you need to understand, we don't have to freak out over who's in the White House as long as we're worshiping the one who's in heaven's house. We, we've, got a, we've got a father that loves us. We've got a father that cares about us. But we've got to get our priorities in place. We, we, we've lost the way as a nation of putting God first. All these political people, they, they want to talk about God. I don't see it in any of them. But the reality is, if you can't have God in your nation, you can't have God still in your home. People got all mad at President Obama when he said that America is no longer a Christian nation. And people are like, America is a Christian nation. Uh, he, he told the truth. America is not just a Christian nation. It's a nation full of Muslims. It's a nation full, full of Hindus. It's a nation full of atheists. It's a nation full of witches. It's a nation full of people who hate God. There's still some people in this country that love God. Amen. There still are some Christians in this nation, but stop worrying about how your nation is defined and wonder about how your name is defined. What are you as an individual? Because it's so easy to cast dispersions on large groups. It's so easy to cast dispersions on the masses. It's so easy to talk trash about a whole group of people because that takes the focus off of the individual. But we've got to deal with ourselves. We've got to get ourselves right individually so we can get right as a community. So the community can get right as a neighborhood and a city and a state. So the state can get right as a nation. But if we want to follow the, the, the way our faithful father is, he's somebody who's got his priorities right. We've got to get our priorities right. We've got to put God first, and then we've got to put our family next. Average man don't have God first in his life. Average man doesn't have his family even next in his life. 
Men care about power. Men care about success. Men care about fame, fortune, notoriety. Men care about legacy and destiny. Men care about wanting to dominate, conquer, and achieve. God wired us up that way. God wired man up to be the apex predator on the planet. God wired man up to be mountain climber, dragon slayer. God wired a man up to be a dominant force to deal with. But we got to learn to humble ourselves and put others before us. Uh, so you can't, get much, you can't get much feedback on that. Take that message to men around the world. Humble yourself and put God first and your family before you put yourself. And people start to withdraw. But this is the truth anyhow. The fourth thing a faithful father does, he leads by example. Listen, men, you're created to be a leader. Women, you are too. We got to lead by example. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. God leads his children, and faithful fathers do the same. But if you want to be, if you want to lead right, you got to be led right. Before you can have the tongue of the learned, you got to have the ear of the learned. Before you can be a leader, you need to be a good follower. Listen, some men don't deserve to be followed. I'm going to take a drink on that. But God deserves to be followed. Our Father in heaven deserves to be followed. Some men aren't being led right, and that's why they can't lead right. Stop pointing fingers at everybody else, Christian man, and get your act together. Stop pointing fingers. Stop waiting on other people to come together and get yourself together because a real man leads by example. A faithful father leads by example. Example, in Matthew 5, 48, God put this hard sentence in there, and you got to deal with it. Be ye therefore what? Even as your Father in heaven is what? Woo, that's a high order. That's a high order. Now, you can get all deep, and you can get all technical, and you can go all into entomology and talk about the meaning, and you can say, well, what that literally means is complete, matured, and, and walking in fullness. Well, then do it. But the reality is God has a high standard. Say high standard. God has a high standard. He didn't, he didn't tell us just to, you know, do a little bit to get by. No, we've got to be on point all the time. If we're going to do that, we're going to need God's help. Can five people say amen? Listen, you, you could be the godliest uh, person on, on, on the planet in your mind, but if you're not being led by God, you're not even a child of God. Because the scripture says that he leads his children. I, I want to tell every man in the room, if you have anyone living in your house other than you, uh, you should be the godliest man your wife knows. You should be the godliest man your children know. You, if, w women, you should be the godliest woman your husband knows. You should be the godliest woman your children know because we need to be led by example. I had a bad stepfather at one point in my life. And he said some really whack stuff. And he said this all the time out of his own mouth. He said, don't, don't do what I do, do what I say. That didn't make sense to me as a 10-year-old. That was ridiculous for me to hear as a child. I want to tell you something. That don't do as I do, do as I say mindset does not work for children. You have to lead by example. Does anybody know that God has given us a great example in the love that he showed for us through his son Jesus? God has given us a real example. Example, and I want to tell every parent in the room, you're leading by example. I tell every Christian in the room, whether you have children or not, you're leading by example, either good or bad. You're testifying about God everywhere you go, either good or bad, and a faithful father leads by example. I'm going to get you all out of here early today. I'm going to give you the fifth point right now. A faithful father always does what's best for the ones he loves. Did God do what was best for him or what was best for us? He did what was best for us. He could have left us alone in our sin. He could have left us alone sinking on our way straight to a devil's hell. But a faithful father always does what's best for the ones he loves. In 1 Timothy 5, 8, the Bible says, Those who won't care for their relatives, especially for those of their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. You want to know what God thinks about a deadbeat dad? 
You want to know what God thinks about a man who don't care for his own? You want to know what God thinks about somebody who's not a provider? Listen, men, God wired us up to be protectors and providers. They ought to be able to hide behind us and be taken care of by us. God said, if you don't care for your own relatives, especially those who live in your own house, you have denied the true faith. I've seen preachers out there that can preach the paint off the walls. I've seen preachers out there that, that were the greatest orators on the planet. They could sing, dance, buck, shout, holler for a dollar and get it done. But they didn't have the respect of their own children because they never took care of mama. And they didn't provide for their children. Listen to me. You have got to care and do your best for the ones that you love is commanded by scripture and the reason why so many young men are out there acting crazy is because their daddies didn't teach them better you can act like people do right because it's in them to do right but that's false i i, I had a discussion with somebody this week and they, were, they, they, they were talking about how well i just i just think that people are basically good and if they just left alone they'll they'll pick right i'm wondering what in the you need to come to the west side of Jacksonville for eight seconds and get around some normal people and find out folk are messed up. The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked beyond all imagination. You can't even imagine the vileness that, that we are capable of. People want to act like uh, that dude, Will, Will Rogers or Will Smith or somebody said, uh, I never met, never met a man I didn't like. You know he lived in a different generation, and I'm guessing he didn't get out much. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, the, people do not do what is right because it's in them to do what's right. The Bible says we are born in sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of God's glory. People do what's right. Are you ready? That You study this out. Catch this phrase, and, and, and you'll have learned something. People do what's right for this one phrase, fear of loss. Say fear of loss. That's why people do what's right, because they're scared that they're going to lose something. That's why you don't ever want to mess around and get into something with somebody who's got nothing to lose. Because they're an odd character. They're, 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 they're on the other side of normalcy at that point. Uh, you you, you want to see how fear of loss works? We, go, go ahead and be riding down the road and see a cop on the side of the road pointing a radar gun at you. You know what the first thing you do? You get off that gas and on that brake. You could be doing five miles an hour below the speed limit. You still slow down. You see that cop pointing that radar gun at you. You don't know why? Fear of loss. Not a, oh, well, because I respect the, if you guys, if you was all that, you wouldn't have been speeding. You wouldn't have naturally assumed, oh, I know I'm speeding. Let me take my foot off the gas. Now, you can't slam on brake. He see the hood dip. He know that's you. That's why you shouldn't drive red sports cars. Cop pointing a gun, radar gun, at the interstate, sitting under an overpass, hiding behind a pole because they're crooked, sneaky like that. Uh, all he hears, he's halfway pointing that gun, halfway thinking about, Lord, it's hot out here. Uh, all he hears is beep, 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 beep. He looks up. Red Camaro, gray Ford Taurus, you hit. You, you mess around. Listen, uh, people don't slow down when they see cops because they love the law. They, pe people, people don't hear, the, hear daddy pull up and, and, and turn the TV off and run upstairs and act like they're studying because they love their daddy. People don't hear mama walking into the room and, 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 and put their phone under their pillow and act like they're sleeping, not talking on the phone because they love their mother. They do all these things out of fear of loss. And the reason why so many young people are running wild and raggedy in this generation doing all manner of ridiculous stuff is because they grew up not being scared of anybody. Like, well, I don't want my children to be scared of me. Yeah, I can tell. There's a healthy respect 
Let me, you want, yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you a shorter word for a healthy respect. Fear. Fear of loss. Fear that they're going to lose that, that, that comfortableness in their backside. That, 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 that comfortable feeling is going to be replaced with a stinging feeling. Fear that they're going to not have their cell phone. Fear that they're going to be punished. Fear that they're going to lose some privileges. Without that, people just run wild. People just do whatever they want to do. Listen, I just, I, man, my, my kids beg me, don't say, don't, don't tell them. Please don't, don't tell them. Say, sometimes I just let it go. But if you're standing in line in front of me at a fast food restaurant and you're holding your pants here, I'm probably going to say something to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, might, I might make it easy on you. Is that comfortable being dressed like that, man? And, you know, it almost never is returned with, 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 with uh, decent conversation. It's usually returned with aggression. And I'm thinking, eh, at 115 pounds, you probably ain't ready for this. But with no fear, I, I see y'all rolling y'all's eyes out there. Listen, at 175 pounds, you still ain't ready for this. The only people, my, my kids have been taught, you know what take gas, all the gas out of these blowhard children in this generation, these, these, these 12 to 25-year-old children in this generation, you know what to take all that steam and all that mouth out of them? Ain't that right, Stacy? One good throat punch. A right hand to the face. Just one good time. Just lay them out. They'll wake up tomorrow with respect. I had, a, I had a dude come up to me at the McDonald's the other day in Oakley. Young guy in his 20s, pants all down here. He saw somebody in there. I don't even know why he walked in McDonald's. I heard him tell three people, I ain't got no money. Like, this ain't a soup kitchen, bro. I mean, it's a dollar menu heaven. You can eat in here. I mean, I, I hit McDonald's for lunch, McChicken. And a large drink, that's $2.14. You can't get lunch much cheaper than that in America. He saw a couple people. He knew he was hitting them all for money. Everybody, both the both guys he walked up to, and these were people he was dapping and chest bumping and, and pounding with. And they are like, no, nah, man, I ain't got none. I'm like, you just swiped your card for that food you're eating. This dude waddling through McDonald's. People used people used to uh, walk with, with with a limp to look smooth. Now they're just trying to you know hold hold on to the, you know the falling down. This dude waddled over to me, yo dog. You got fifty cent? Help me help me catch a drink. I could have said. No dog, like his homeboys did. But I said, "Yeah, man, I, I got, I got, I got more than more than fifty cents." Uh, he said, "Can you help me out?" I said, "Yeah," and I pulled out, I pulled out money in my left pocket. And I always keep a decent amount of money in my left pocket. And he said. Dang, man. He, he turned around. He said, this cat's got stacks. <laughs> Yelled in the oak. I'm like, I also have a weapon right here. You, I mean, let's do what we're going to do. And he, he said, how about let me get one of them 20s? Went from 50 cents to 20 that hard. A man with negotiating skills at that level shouldn't be begging for 50 cent in a McDonald's. He should be running business somewhere. So I said, I'll tell you what, I peeled it all the way down to the lowest thing. I had a $5 bill. I said, I'll tell you what I do. I said, you asked me 50 cents. I give you a $5 bill if you pull your pants up around your waist and you go up there and you order your food like, like a grown man. A lady, old white woman, walked all the way over there. 
and said, who do you think you are telling another person how they should wear their clothes? I said, well, this ain't your conversation, but since you really want to get in it, I'm responding to this young man's plea for some money. And if you don't leave us alone, he ain't going to get it. How many of y'all believe that conversation happened just the way I said it did? You need to raise your hand. My man pulled his pants up. He's like, you're right, you're right, you're right. I've been at work. I'm thinking, what kind of job you got that you can work like this? How do we get on that? (laughs) Respect. We got kids out there acting crazy. You know when you were growing up, uh, I I, I know when Israel was growing up, he couldn't act just any kind of way. He he lives as as, as a man of character now. In in past generations, kids would would treat other adults with respect, not just their own. They would treat treat the the neighborhood with respect. I, I grew up in a generation where other people's parents would whip your own butt. And then call your mama and she whoop you when you get home. You're going to be down there in Miss Jones' house acting. I did not tell you one more time. But because we haven't led by example, because of fatherlessness, because of overworked parents, because of pulling away from God, we haven't led by example. We haven't given children in this generation what our parents gave us. A love for God. A respect for human beings. A trust in Jesus. We haven't done what's best for the ones that we love. We haven't taken care of these kids the way they need to be taken care of. A good father cares more about his family's needs than his own. So he takes less so they can have more. See, that kind of man's easy to follow. That kind of man should be easy for children to respect, for a community to respect, and women to respect. But everybody hadn't had that kind of man to look up to. I didn't have that kind of man to look up to. I didn't have anybody to teach me. My mom tried her best, but I'm going to tell you something. Unless you're willing to go to prison, there's only so hard a, a, a woman can hit a boy to try to get his attention, or a girl. So I didn't grow up with those things, and it, and it cost me. But I was fortunate to have some coaches along the way that showed interest in me. I was fortunate to have some teachers along the way that showed interest in me. You don't have to have a biological father living in a home to have some men role model for him what manhood looks like. That's one of the things I love about church. That's one of the things I love about Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. We got good men in this church, real men in this church, men that love the Lord in this church, men that lead by example, men that show up and and, and work hard for the Lord and their community. closing I want you whether you live at home by yourself whether you're a single parent dual parent old parent grandparent I want you to make sure that you have a father in your home God is the most awesome father there is he's done more and proven it more than anyone ever could so I'm going to give you something to think about on the way out First, I want you to think about the fact that God has given us a great example of what a father is. And we need to be like that. You need to be the kind of father that God is. Fathers are important. 
We need to take our responsibility seriously before God. Ephesians 6, 2 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Everyone in this room needs to continue to honor their mother and father. And you've heard me say it before, and I'll tell you again. Stop telling kids as long as you live in my house, you'll do what I say. That's not biblical. As long as you're alive, you have to honor your mother and father. Stop telling your children uh, uh, until you're 18 years old and paying your own bills, you'll do what I say. As long as you're alive, you are commanded. We are commanded by God to honor our mother and father if we want our days to go well on this earth. God's given us a great example of what a father is. We need to be like him. Not only that, you need to understand you'll never be the person God wants you to be unless you honor your father and mother. Unless you obey that scripture in Ephesians 2, you'll never be the person that God wants you to be unless you honor your father and mother. Some people have trouble with that because daddy did something bad to him, mama did something bad to him. Please don't be like so many people I've talked to at gravesides that have said, told me in tears, our last words were hard to each other. I wish I had a chance. That chance is gone for many. But if you still have that chance, I want to encourage you. Honor your father and mother. Some of you don't have dad in your life. Some of you don't feel like dad deserves to be in your life. We're commanded by God to honor our fathers. And if you got that opportunity to still do that, I want you to do that. You need to understand God is only your father if you've been born again. I talk to people all the time. I ask them, are you saved? Are you born again? And I have people tell me the most random stuff. I, uh, people say crazy stuff. What's America? We're in a Christian nation. That don't make you a Christian. Well, my mama was a deacon. That don't make you a Christian. Well, my daddy was an apostle. That don't make you a Christian. The, the, the Bible says that we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The way you become a child of God, the way God becomes your heavenly father, is by you putting faith in Jesus Christ. So the last thing I'm going to ask you, is God your father? And if he is your father, are you living in such a way to honor him? Is God your father today? Some of you need to come to the place where you get real honest about your salvation and just admit that you need real salvation. Walking aisles, praying prayers, getting baptized, trying to do better, but knowing on the inside that God has never really changed you, never really become your heavenly father, that is not Christianity. If you ever get saved for real, you're not going to wonder about it. You're going to know about it. The Bible, the Bible says that God wrote these things to us that we might know that we have eternal life. Do you know deep in your knower that your heavenly father is in heaven and he loves you? Do you know for sure that on judgment day, he will accept you. If you don't, you need to call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have an opportunity, as long as there's breath in you, just to ask God to save you. You don't have to walk and I'll shake my hand. You don't have to pray a prayer. You just have to be serious and call out to God. The Bible says when you search for him with your whole heart, you'll find him. Some of you have tried to search for him before, and it hasn't worked for you because you didn't search for him with your whole heart. Some of you play in church. And I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter who your daddy is, who your mama is. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing whatever you've been doing or how good you are at it. If you're not truly born again, heaven will not be your home. And you need to get right with God so he can be your father. If he is your father and you know for sure that you're saved, don't you think you ought to honor your father? Don't you think if he loved us enough to die for us, we ought to love him enough to live for him? It's time to get on with it, church. It's time to get our priorities right. It's time to say, I'm going to be that child that pleases my heavenly father. I'm going to tell you, he deserves it. He's worthy. And we need to honor not just our earthly father, but our heavenly father with everything that we have. Pray with me. God, thank you for being our example. Thank you, God, for being willing to save us. Thank you for faith to believe. 
God, I pray for every unsaved person in this room today. God, I pray that if they are not your children, that you would give them faith. That you would show them right now, Lord, their need for real salvation and that they would choose you today. God, for every person in this room who is saved, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you will inspire us that you will motivate us, God, that you will create a sense of urgency inside of us to live for you, to live for your glory, to live to please you, to be the children who bring you pleasure. Thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you'd have your way. Do what you would do for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.